Welcome to episode 20 of Flying Podcast. Today I'm talking with Mike Miller-Smith from the British Disabled Flying Association. Uh, the BDFA is a registered charity which provides experience of a lifetime trial flying lessons for as many terminally ill and disabled people as possible every year. They also offer subsidised flying days for other disability charities and at-cost instruction and qualification flight training to BDFA members. Okay, well let's have a listen to uh, what Mike has to say and hear what the BDFA is all about. Hi Mike. Hi Steve. Um, you're from the uh, BDFA, that's the British Disabled Flying Association. Uh, what exactly do the BDFA do? Well, the British Disabled Flying Association, or should we say BDFA, from now on it's much easier, is a, is a charity which uses the gift of flight, uh, flying in light aircraft and other general aviation aircraft, um, as a tool to, um, really as a hobby, and as, a, as something to do for disabled people that um, wouldn't otherwise get the chance to do so, and we find that it really helps people to uh, sort of develop their lives and uh, really start to enjoy life again. Okay, you offer trial flights for disabled? That's right, yeah, we have, uh, we operate a number of aircraft, we've got um, um, two Piper Warriors and, uh, and a Bulldog, which we use all around the UK to, to give people um, a trial flight, um, because we believe people should get the chance to fly, um, and for those that want to carry on flying afterwards, then we can actually help them uh, to learn to fly at very low cost. Okay, uh, you're actually based down at Lasham yourself, aren't you? But That's right. We, we um, when we got our first airplane flying back in 2004, we asked the guys at Lasham. Who are, I've been I've been a member at Lasham for about 25 years, and um, we asked the the management committee whether they'd allow us to put our first airplane there. I knew, we could, and they kindly agreed, and uh, and so we've been able to sort of develop our sort of head office there, if you will, which is where the bulk of our operation goes on. We've also got another base up at uh, Tate Hill in the Midlands near Burton-on-Trent, um, which is also developing really well, and we're doing lots and lots of flying there as well. Um, so those are our two main bases of operation. But we take the aeroplanes on detachment and use other flying schools around the country to make sure that we do try and cover the whole of the country. It's not easy. as uh, We have limited resources, um, so we are working all the time to try and develop our capabilities in, in Wales and in Scotland and uh, in the West Country on other areas where we're not there so often, just to make sure that everybody gets a chance to fly. Excellent. Uh, you mentioned you have uh, your own PA-28 Piper and uh, a Bulldog. Why Why those particular aircraft? Well, the Bulldog we, we started with by accident, a very grateful accident in that we were donated the Bulldog by the Jordanian Royal Air Force. Um, it, as a result of a, a chance conversation by one of my... Uh, predecessors a BDFA member back in the 90s mentioned to King Hussein of Jordan when he was still alive sort of almost off the cuff at a chance meeting I think at um, um, Fairford you know by the way if you've only got any old airplanes you're getting rid of can, can we have some uh -huh. uh, and then I think almost sort of six or seven years later uh, a Royal, a Royal Janadian Air Force uh, Hercules pitched up in the UK and they wheeled out four bulldogs um, these bulldogs were uh, were tired. They'd sat in the desert in Jordan for quite a while. They hadn't flown for a number of years. Um, so um, we had to work hard to um, make decisions and, and, and raise support and help from the general aviation community, from our friends, sponsors and supporters. Um, we actually ended up rebuilding one sort of as new standard. We sold the other three. So we have that as our first aeroplane, which was kindly built, uh, rebuilt through support from 
uh, two organisations at Lasham, the Gliding Club and um, ATC Lasham, the engineering company based on the airfield. So we ended up with it as new bulldog, which was fantastic, and that started us on the road to operating our own aircraft. Um, we we weren't sure whether it was going to work. We weren't sure whether we were able to um, run an aeroplane. But uh, it's worked out really, really well. We've discovered that we've been able to keep the costs right down for those that fly um, and to run an aeroplane as a charity uh, works so well that we actually continue to add aeroplanes to the fleet. Uh, so we now own two Piper Warriors fitted with the Vision Air hand control to allow people with lower limb disabilities to, to have complete control of the aeroplane. And indeed, during the summer months when we're very busy, we lease another two aeroplanes. So at our busiest times, we're operating up to five aeroplanes. I presume uh, accessibility is a, is a consideration when you're selecting these aircraft? Um, yeah, the Warrior is a very good aeroplane. Um, some people think it isn't, and people often think that the, the Cessna series aeroplanes are better for wheelchair users. There's actually two big problems with the Cessna, is that um, the undercarriage leg, the rear undercarriage leg, is right where you'd want to park the wheelchair if you're going to sort of shuffle sideways into the seat of the, of the Cessna. Also, of course, because of the strut uh, on most Cessnas, the door doesn't open very far. So it's very hard to sort of manoeuvre your way through unless you're actually standing up. But with the, the Warrior, or any of the PA-28 series, um, the trailing edge of the wing is about the same height as a wheelchair seat. So if you park your wheelchair by the trailing edge of the wing and sort of shuffle your bum over onto the, the walkway and bum shuffle, we call it, up the wing, uh, and then shuffle through the door, which is, of course, is pretty much level with the wing, yeah. uh, and as is the seat, um, and you sort of slide across into, into the aeroplane and then slide across into any of the seats. So that works out pretty well. And it's also possible um, for a lot of spinally injured people to sort of sit on the training edge while they take the wheelchair apart, open the rear cargo door, pop it in through there, so the wheelchair doesn't even get in the way inside the aeroplane. So it works out pretty well for those reasons. And, of course, it's got the, the Vision Air hand control, which is a proven modification to allow those that haven't got used to their legs to um, operate the rudder, to steer it on the ground and uh, do those crosswind landings. Okay, cool. Um, do you still offer any other uh, sort of flights in anything other than powered aircraft like gliders or microlights? Yeah, the BDFA's premise or reason for existence has always been um, fairly generic across all types of aviation. Um, and indeed, we do do a little bit of gliding. Uh, in the past, we've done a little bit of microlighting and hang gliding and paragliding. I have to say, because we've been focusing for the last few years on getting the powered up side operating, We've not done as much gliding, microlighting, and the other forms of GA as we'd like. Um, and definitely one of the plans for the future is to expand our horizons back into those areas because they're equally as valid, equally as great fun. I mean, I'm lucky enough to fly lots of different types of airplane still, um, and I enjoy all types of flying. I'm just happy when I'm in the air, so we shouldn't restrict the BDFA just about light aircraft flying. So uh, we are looking to start to build our links back into those worlds as well. Great stuff. Um, you've touched on the sorts of disabilities that uh, you cater for, but should you give us a little run-through of uh, the types of disabilities uh, that you can you can handle in your aircraft? Yeah, well, again, one of the things we've been very, very robust about and very keen to make sure is that we are accessible to literally every type of disability. There are a few sort of activities for disabled people out there, but they tend to be quite focused around certain types of disability. Now, because we are sort of membership open to all and, for example, I've got quite a profound disability. I have I have muscular dystrophy. I use an, an electric wheelchair, and I've only got a few muscles still that still that work. And I have to um, use a hoist when I'm at home to transfer between you know the, a chair and my wheelchair and things like that. 
I'm not able to weight bear. So, you know, I'm worst case scenario in terms of getting into an aeroplane because I'm six foot four and 15 stone. So sort of, and I'm like a rag doll. So how do you get me in an aeroplane? Well, we, um, we worked with a, um, a, a manufacturer of um, disability hoist to create um, what we call the robo hoist, which is a, an electric hoist which can lift anybody out of their wheelchair, uh, whatever movement they've got um, out of their wheelchair, uh, into the into the aeroplane seat. Now, clearly, that needs to be with an aeroplane that has a large door or, or a sliding canopy. So that's why the bulldog works so well for us. We can literally pick anybody up out of their wheelchair using the hoist and put them straight into the um, into the aeroplane. So we certainly we can certainly take care of any physical disability. Um, we've also done a lot of work working with people with learning difficulties. Uh, with mental health issues um, that's a demographic which typically doesn't get the chance to do things like fly an aeroplane um, people looked at us a bit strangely when we said we were going to give this a try but we've absolutely been vindicated because we found that people with learning difficulties really benefit from the flight more than we could ever have imagined even just one flight um, a lot of people with that kind of, kind of disability uh, are actually very good at concentrating and focusing uh, which is actually really applicable for the flying, for the world of flying. Really, you know, it's about concentration and listening, uh, and learning and concentrating. And uh, you know, there's a real natural aviators within that group. And also, I think if somebody with that kind of problem realizes they can fly an airplane, they might also think, well, what else can I do? Can I drive a car? Could I live on my own? And it kind of sows that seed, which allows people to really um, develop and move on. Even just that one flight that one tipping point which might get them to change the perception of themselves uh, and go on and do other great things. Uh, also, we work with people with sensory impairments like sight loss, hearing loss. These are all things that aviation is a, a great sensory experience and uh, equally is, uh, it provides equal enjoyment and fun, really. Um, do you just um, take people out for trial flights and you know, give them a, a, an air experience, so to speak, or do you do more than that? Well, we we um, we sort of a number of vehicles or number of sort of types of experience we can give people. We have obviously individuals that get in touch and say, "Hi, uh, I, I've got a disability. I'd like to have a go at flying." And we offer a very low cost trial flight for that person, which is a day at the airfield and to come and spend some time with us, meet other disabled people, and actually have obviously a bit of ground school and then go and do the first first flight of the of the PPL syllabus, effectively the the air experience flight. We also get groups of disabled people that might come from a, another charity or a local care home or local authority, and they will come to the airfield for the day, and we'll do it as a group activity. Um, obviously, a certain percentage of those people would like to do more flying. It might be, wow, that's great. I'd like to do some more. So we are a, a CAA registered training facility, so we do have the ability to train people through to license issue, which indeed we do, and we're doing more and more of that. Uh, you know, we had... Uh, a very high conversion rate from trial flights into people wanting to learn to fly because there's, I think, more so than within the able-bodied community because there's not that many activities that disabled people can go out and do and actually um, take right through to a full qualification. So I think that's why actually it's such a popular activity because at the end of the day, all you need to do to, to, to learn to fly an aeroplane in a lot of cases is sit down and uh, yeah. a, lot, a lot of disabled people have that skill. There isn't a lot of input, is there, once you're flying, really? It's uh, just a matter of concentrating and uh, map reading, etc. Well, well, as you and I, Steve, the best, the best, as you and I, well, I wish we, perhaps we are, but uh, as you and I know, often the best pilots are those that let the aeroplane do the flying. Exactly. And only, only now and again, give it a slight guiding hand. Uh, and the people that end up 
thrusting the stick around the cockpit and uh, generally making a hash of it are the ones that um, generally aren't the smoothest of pilots. Uh, you mentioned a little bit about the, the benefits, but um, it's not just smiles on faces you're involved with, is it? No, it's, um, you know, for everybody it's different. For some people it's, well, that was great. I've never had the chance to do that and I enjoyed it, but they won't come back. But for others it's more than that. It's about going full circle. It's about, you know, a new chapter in life. Let me give an example. There was a guy that flew with us a couple of years ago uh, who had a spinal injury. Uh, he was 19 years old. He'd been a passenger in a car um, that was being driven by his friend that unfortunately rolled and he was his friend was fine but he was a passenger and got very seriously injured and he'd been in obviously in rehab in hospital for quite a while he'd come out of hospital he'd been about a year at home really quite depressed really not doing anything going out really thinking that well what does life have to offer but his family heard about us and they brought him along to fly uh, and we took him for a flight the bulldog and uh, i think he did a lazy barrel roll or a loop or something like that i can't remember which and we saw we saw his face when he came back and he was smiling he was happy you could tell, you could see a sort of a sort of bit of rejuvenation in his cheeks. Um, didn't think anything more of it. About three or four days later, got an email from his brother-in-law saying, wow, that's brilliant. You know, he's not really stopped talking about that. That was the first thing that we've seen him enjoy in a year. Uh, and thank you for that, because that's really not only improved his life, but it's improved our lives, because we as a family unit around him see him struggle, and, and, and it's not great for us either. But to see him happy has given us some sort of renewed enthusiasm and belief that actually he does have a life to go out and lead. So that was great, that was nice, and we thought, okay, no more of that. But then here we are two years later, we got an email a couple of months ago from him saying, I've not forgotten that flight, that was brilliant, that was just what I needed. I've used that as a real motivational tool in my head to actually build up my strength again and, and get myself ready and, and, and rehabilitated to actually learn to fly. And he's coming back for his uh, subsequent second lesson in a couple of weeks time excellent so um yeah it, it, it has a bigger story to tell sometimes um how do you actually modify the aircraft the the modification of the aircraft is really we try to go for modifications which are sort of ubiquitous which as many different types of disability can use obviously for the bulldog and the hoist that's for people um it's most applicable for people that aren't able to get in and out of the airplane themselves, aren't able to self-transfer. So we've got the canopy opening as wide as possible. We've got um, uh, the, obviously the hoist, which can lift people in, which is sort of modified to, to work in that environment. Um, but for most people, the bull, the, sorry, the warrior is, is absolutely fine if they're able to self-transfer. Uh, and it's modified with a Vision Air hand control, which is a Australian-built, um, effectively, lever which attaches to the rudder bar which effectively just extends up to a handle which is near the throttle quadrant on the PA-28 so the operator can um, just use their hand to, to move the rudder um, and then being close to the throttle obviously they need to be able to move your hand quickly between the two. Yeah. There's a little known fact that the handbrake on a PA-28 which is the little sort of black lever which hangs down from behind the instrument panel just in front of the P1 sort of right knee that can be used as uh, not just a sort of locking on parking brake, but rather than using the tow brakes, you can actually pull that, and that applies the wheel brakes equally on either side and in a proportional fashion. So a bit like a car handbrake, the harder you pull it, the more brake is put on. I didn't know that. So, so if you don't need to, if you don't, if you can't use the tow brakes, 
you just grab that handle and pull it and um yeah you can just use it as a normal brake just like you can with your toes you've got to make sure it doesn't lock on <laughs> well yeah yeah so just like just like you do when you make sure you don't push too hard with your toes when the runway's a bit wet right so uh, and so it is a bit of a two-handed operation then because obviously you then have to lean over pull that with one hand and then steer with the um with the uh with the hand control and close the throttle and sort of let go of the yoke and everything else. So it's, it's a bit of a juggle sometimes, but uh, like all these things, when the weather's the world is away and you can learn to, to th- throw your hands around the cockpit to get them in the right places at the right time. Okay, excellent. Um, if a disabled person wished to uh, fulfil their dream to fly, how do they go about that? Well, obviously, get in touch with us. Um, we can, that can be done through our website, which is www.bdfa.net. Mm-hmm. Um, and through there they can get in touch with us uh, and book that first trial flight. Uh, if there's any queries or questions or concerns or whatever, they can ask any questions and just uh, we can help lay their lay their mind to rest. Uh, it's really to, to get people along, get them flying. Also during the winter we're not quite so busy because it's a nightmare trying to set up trial flights um, in this country any time of year, but in the winter it's particularly hard. So we tend to do most of our trial flights between sort of March and uh, October. Um, and that's it really that's how you start down the road okay um and of course if you're able-bodied and you want to to participate you can as well yeah of course we are um apart from apart from one person and a couple of part-timers um the bdfa is run entirely by volunteers so um we we couldn't exist we couldn't do what we do without the support of, of our friends and family so to speak um the wider ga community the wider charitable community that supports us so volunteers help us in a number of ways. Uh, we've got um, from sort of Red Arrows, former members of the Red Arrows and, and, and current military and commercial pilots that offer their time as instructors. So they can uh, obviously help um, with our instructional requirement. Uh, we've got people out there that are fundraising for us, you know, doing sponsored bike rides and runs and sitting in bathtubs of baked beans and things like that. Um, and we've got people that just like to come along on the day and help us at exhibitions. One of the things we do is try and get to major international events like Farm Brayer Show. And we like to get to major charitable events just to show um, what can be done and the sort of groundbreaking work that we're doing. So that's great fun to be part of. During the also, summer? Sorry. During, oh. during the summer, yeah. But there, there are other exhibitions we go to during the winter as well. Um, and just coming along on the day, often let's say we've got 20 disabled people from a local disabled school or what have you come along our young people they need a bit of chaperoning we need a bit of help on the day it's great just to have some um, able-bodied hands around that can uh, help us uh, keep everything under control so there's a number of ways that people can help and we're always pleased to hear from people and you do have plenty of flying days throughout the year don't you yeah we're just putting our calendar together for this year and uh, we're aiming to do a thousand hours flying this year and uh, work with uh, you know i think on budget is about seven or eight hundred um people that will be involved with us to, to come flying in one shape or form which is great do you have any sort of special projects on at the moment uh we've got a, a few things we're trying to put together we're, we're trying to uh try to leverage um the sort of offers of support we get from um the ga community obviously there's quite a few ppls out there there's quite a few people that own their own airplanes that would like to help and quite often it's it's fantastic to have that offer and we'd love to have people to help but to actually coordinate that and make sure we do it in the proper way to make sure that we comply with the charity AIC about charity flying to make sure that we um, demonstrate a good duty of care um, it's not as easy as it might first sound 
So we're looking at um, developing something called the Charity Flying Network, which we started putting together last year, which is a network of PPLs around the country that are keen to help and to take disabled people flying. Um, we're just trying to sort of iron out some of the kinks in that, but hopefully this summer will be the first time that we'll be able to start to use that network that's we're starting to build of people that would like to help. Um, so that's an exciting project um, that hopefully this year is going to uh, come to fruition. Uh, we're quite excited about Farm Bear Show this year. It's always a great event to us because it's where we get to thank and sit alongside a lot of the British aerospace companies that sit alongside us and support us and help us do what we do. And to be at the same show as those guys is fantastic. And it's always great to uh, to mix with the, the great British public and not only show them what we do, but also introduce them to, dis to, to, to the aviation industry. It was noticeable in 2008 when we last exhibited the Farnborough Air Show that we were one of the few aeroplanes to sort of slide open the canopy and let young people come and sit in the aeroplane. And within sort of half an hour, there was a queue of about 100 families waiting to sit into the aeroplane and to to just uh, touch it, feel it, and, and wiggle the stick and just ask questions about aeroplanes. And hopefully those young people will be future pilots, engineers, what have you, for the British aerospace industry because there's few opportunities these days to actually get close and personal with aeroplanes. It's true. It's true. But, the most, but in some ways the most important point was the those young people really weren't noticing our disabilities. They were looking up to a group of, of wheelchair users and people on crutches and people that couldn't see very well. Um, or what have you, as inspirational characters. They were asking, how fast can the aeroplane go, mister? And how many G can you pull? And that kind of thing. And the, <laughs> the disability became completely invisible, yeah. which is, which is, I think, a great thing. Good. It's a leveller, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned last time we spoke, Mike, about uh, easy fundraising and extreme G for free. Do you want to mention those? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, there is... Um, we are, uh, in terms of sort of fundraising schemes, we're trying to sort of again think outside the box kind of fits what we're about really and, and find ways that we can innovatively raise money and people can have fun too uh, we're about to launch something called Extreme G for free which is our take on the ubiquitous um, sponsored parachute jump um, whereas it's not a parachute jump you will fly with uh, a number of locations around the UK uh, that operate Extreme G type aerobatic aircraft so you can uh, take part in the scheme where you register uh, you can get sponsored by your friends, family, work colleagues, or what have you. And you can go to one of these uh, flying centres and actually go and attempt some extreme G aerobatic manoeuvres. It's been approved by the British Aerobatic Association, we're excited to say. And uh, So watch this space. Um, uh, details will be announced shortly, but we're really excited. I think it's a, a great way where, where people, even pilots themselves, can actually go and fly some quite interesting aerobatic aircraft uh, and try and attempt some of these manoeuvres and raise a bit of money for charity too. So uh, it's going to be great fun. The other one is the easy fundraising. The uh, This is online, really. There is a, a web portal called Easy Fundraising, which is um, basically you register. You register your allegiance to the BDFA, and then whenever you go internet shopping, let's say to Amazon for your latest CD, or Marks and Spencers for a new sofa, or uh, Next for your new pair of shoes, or whatever, anything you buy online, basically, uh, you can do through easy fundraising. And all these companies actually provide a commission or a payment uh, to the charity if you shop through easy fundraising. So you just click the link through from easy fundraising to your chosen online shopping store. Uh, for example, Marks and Spencers, uh, I think, make a 10% uh, commission payment to the charity. So if you're buying a sofa or something, then 
Um, it's great for us because it, you know we get a commission payment. So uh, mm. please go to Easy Fundraising. You can find it online. Uh, register there and uh, register um, to the BDFA uh, or to any other charities you support. And you can really provide a fantastic revenue stream uh, for those charities. Okay, that's brilliant. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Great. Okay, well that's uh, that's brilliant. I'll uh, don't forget the contact details. I'll put those in the show notes at bdfa.net. We we'll make sure we get the .net and not .co.uk or anything else. Super. Okay, that's brilliant. Thank you very much, Mike. Okay, that was uh, Mike Miller-Smith from the British Disabled Flying Association. I'm looking forward to meeting Mike uh, during the summer when they do a flying day up here in Manchester. If you can support the BDFA in any way, please do. I'm sure you'll agree they're doing a great job. If you'd like to contact Mike or his team, have a look at the BDFA website, which is on bdfa.net. That's bdfa.net. Um, if you haven't already had a look at the, the Flying Podcast website, uh, you can find that at flyingpodcast.co.uk. And if you're interested, you can now follow me on Twitter. Just search for Flying Podcast and you'll get my regular tweets, or probably irregular tweets. Well, that's it for episode 20. If you have any comments, suggestions for future episodes, or if you'd like to take part, you can email me on steve at flyingpodcast.co.uk. Thank you for listening. Speak to you again soon.